There is so much to talk about this year. There are so many things happening around us uh, as the school year approaches, whether it be anxiety about being back in the classroom, and I mean that's anxiety for kids, parents, and teachers alike, whether it's a switchback. I mean, we were hearing today about uh, someone who's never been to their son's school because they haven't been inside. They haven't been in class. I mean, the, the kids have, but the parents haven't been in in quite a while. Um, all kinds of interesting stuff going on this year. Of course, the big one, and we've been talking about it all night, uh, the big one is inflation, cost of living. You know, there was a, a survey done by the uh, Retail Council of Canada. One third of parents expected to pay more for back to school shopping this year compared to years past. Um, earlier in the show, we heard about a new Angus Reid survey that says some 56% of Canadians are finding it tough. Uh, to make ends meet these days because of the rising cost of things and rising interest rates. And that's certainly being felt when it comes back to school. And as parents, how, if and how, can you discuss these issues with your kids? Can you be honest about belt tightening, about what decision-making might be like if there's less money this year or that debt certainly is more expensive so you want to avoid it? Well, to help me with all those questions is parenting expert and family counselor, Allison Schaefer. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks for having me on, Ben. I guess it goes without saying, we've been talking about this on the show for weeks now, that uh, parents are feeling the pinch. Back to school is going to be uh, not only a little more expensive because everything is more expensive these days, but also, I assume, back to school products as well. It's true. We've been uh, reading about this across the board that inflation has hit every nook and cranny of our economy. I have heard some retailers trying to uh, buy in bulk and drop some prices to be sensitive to that. I've seen a bunch of uh, nonprofit organizations making school supplies available for those in need. So everybody's talking about it. And it's not easy out there. What should they, what should people do? I mean, these are one of the challenges, of course, is that back to school is an event in of itself. And all of a sudden you run out and buy all these products that are needed for a certain date. Um, but what advice do you have for parents this year, given that uh, they may find themselves, they may find their money isn't uh, stretching quite as far as it did last year? Take some good planning um, before you go out and hit those retail outlets. I think that the best place to start is to have a conversation with your kids about how you're going to approach back to school this year and that we need to keep an eye on on finances. So we're going to work for the first time on a budget. For, for many kids, it will be the first time experiencing a budget. Um, and But before we can really draft a budget, we need to know what, what we have that can be reused from last year and what we need to get afresh. Either it's worn out or you've outgrown or it's gotten lost or whatever and so having the big purge I think is is the beginning uh, and work with kids don't just go into their room and go through their drawers and throw out stuff that you don't like anymore uh, you really need to get their involvement in all of this um, and so it's going to be the conversation of separating needs from wants so if they have pencil crayons from last year and they still have some pencil in them, then we don't need a new pack. It's very easy for kids to just want everything shiny, sparkly, new, the latest edition, and that's just not going to hold up this year. So write that full inventory of of what you actually have uh, completely without... And, uh, and then start organizing by which stores you're going to shop at and what would be a reasonable replacement cost for it. Because, I, you know, often I'll, I'll see parents back to school shopping and it looks like they throw one of everything into the basket in the past, at least, you know, it didn't matter whether there were, you know, there was a box of highlighters at home, a new box was coming in because that's what you buy to go back to school, right? 
I, I think that is our old consumer style, and it doesn't help that often parents want to make sure that they aren't hectic or miss, you know, missing some important piece that the teacher expects them to have. So I think in the name of trying to be a good parent, they will often download or grab at the entranceway of the business uh, place a sheet that says recommended items that a grade three should have, recommended items for a grade eight. And of course, they're in the, in the market of selling as much product as possible, so they're going to make a much more extensive list than is probably needed. And again, not taking consideration for what you may still have kicking around the house. It's absolutely fine. And you mentioned something interesting because this is a phenomenon that exists for just about everything we're buying these days, depending on the age of the child, it may be worthwhile to sit down and say, hey, here's what's going on out there. Right. So you know, everything's a teachable moment when it comes to parenting. We don't need to protect them from the real world events. We want to prepare them for life. It's just really important, Ben, that when we're talking to kids, that we have an attitude that is positive and optimistic, because what we don't want to do is have children suddenly becoming fearful um, that, you know, has has my parent lost their job? Can they, can they not pay uh, their mortgage payment? Or, or, you know, is something bad going to happen to us? So kids can often fill in the, in the blank and make assumptions that are, are far more frightening for the child than it is to just hear like, no, you know what, we're fine. It's our job to make sure you're fine. But when we're talking about purchasing and consumerism this year, it really is that differentiating between the needs and the wants. So I might say, for example, to my daughters, they were much more excited about back to school shopping for clothes than they were for school supplies. Um, but, you know, I would say, hey, listen, I, I, I was self-employed. I have been self-employed for years, a single mom with my two daughters. And I would say this September is a little different than other Septembers. We're going to have to keep an eye on the money. I'm responsible for what you need. So, you know, yeah, you need three pairs of pants to go to school. You need sweaters for the fall and but I would sort of put it into then the three little kind of buckets that they could understand and say you know there's some people where their price point for a pair of jeans is going to be 30 40 dollars you know we can we're in the middle range more like the Hudson Bay Eaton's Sears kind of category uh, and our jeans are this range and if you want to go high-end whatever because jeans can go up to three hundred dollars running shoes can be seven hundred dollars so some of these items are you know quite fashion fad type things that our kids have been marketed to to want to have and I will just tell my kids I'll pay for for a reasonable amount from what I can manage in my budget and if you would like because that's your need if you want above and beyond that and you want to buy the brand name I'm not going to stop you from doing that but that money's going to have to come from your allowance savings um, babysitting money part-time jobs you know things like that but then there's an understanding that I'm doing my you know financial responsibility of support you and the frills and the bonuses are money that you can come up with on your own. Yeah, I remember coming home once, maybe age 12, something like that, announcing that I really liked Lacoste shirts. And my dad saying to me, well, you're welcome to buy yourself Lacoste shirts. Here's how much money I'm going to give you for a shirt. And if you <laughs> want to wear fancier clothes that I have, you'll pay for them yourself. So that was a lesson. I got a paper route, though. It worked. Um, yes, well, that's what we say fat dogs don't hunt. If they get everything new and replaced, they don't take care of things as as, as much. And they're going to keep pulling on your pant leg at the, at the stores, you know, begging you to buy it. And if you have a weak moment and you're frustrated, you might just spend money that didn't really make good sense. You had an interesting suggestion about giving, you know, obviously depending on age, giving kids a prepaid credit card and saying, hey, go make your own choices, you know, go make your own choices and make sure you don't spend all your money on the wrong thing. 
Right. So there's, again, the teachable moment that allows them to have some free freedom and some autonomy and independence in their decision making. Uh, but it's still contained and constrained by the fact that it's a gift card. And I'm not usually a big gift card person because I think we know from looking at uh, people's spending habits, we tend to leave money unused on those cards. But that's not the case with teenagers and, and younger kids. So if you've done your little budget for what needs to be replaced and you're, you're going to the office supply store and you give your child that $20 gift card, they will be going up and down the aisle saying, I don't know, do I really want to have that expensive binder when I can get the cheaper one over here and use this money for maybe a fancier water bottle? And you'll start to see what they value and what they appreciate more. Uh, And they start looking at prices. And if they spend it on the water bottle, they're not going to leave it on the schoolyard because they know what it costs to replace. And they, they have a greater sense of ownership around those items. I'm speaking with Allison Schaefer. She's a parenting expert and family counselor. We're talking about in inflation. Of course, we've been talking about that for a while now, but also just the impact it's having this year specifically on back to school shopping for parents. So lots of uh, good advice uh, from Allison there about how to talk to your kids about uh, the challenges sometimes of buying stuff for back to school, perhaps giving them more power over that budget so they can decide for themselves how to make some of those choices. Uh, When we come back, some more advice just on how you can save money this year. I gather maybe one of the deals is uh, wait, wait till the back to school rush is somewhat over to buy some of the stuff that you might need if you could afford to. Uh, We'll be back with that. Our guest this half hour is parenting expert and family counselor, Allison Schaefer. We're talking about the impact of inflation on back to school. It is our First in our week-long back-to-school segments that we're doing, just to give you a bit of advice and find out what's going on this year. Of course, inflation is one of the big topics and uh, just the impact that's having on parents everywhere and their ability to uh, buy all the stuff their kids need this year. Uh, You made an interesting suggestion about waiting. I know that's not always possible, but for instance, if you're looking for those higher-end clothes, for instance, maybe you just hold off on those or something replacing electronics, for instance. Maybe that's something you wait a couple of months for. Right. You can sp- spread out your purchases and, and make some plans around that. If you know that you need to get a uh, laptop or something, uh, you know you might want to start putting that money aside now. Again, that's another supply chain item where uh, you, you might have an idea of what you want, but if you're getting it refurbished uh, or you've got certain criteria for amount of memory or things like this, models and makes and models, if that's specific to something that you want, you've got to have some le- lead time in there because those things aren't always the easiest to, to get a hold of. But it also means that it, because September is such an expensive year with everything else, if your kid needs to get set up with a desk or you got, you're going back to buying Metro passes and uh, d- different sort of one-time purchases, you might find that it's really stretching your, your monthly allowance for uh, just September. So, you know, it's still warm in September. There are things that we could hold off to till October, getting closer in towards Thanksgiving, where you'll see that things go on sales as retailers are starting to clear out the back-to-school stuff and get ready for, um, for uh, winter uh, purchases snow you know snow coats and boots and things like that so if you can hold off you can sort of spread it a little bit longer too and that can be helpful for families and then the other thing ben i'd recommend is uh and it's really coming in vogue which is thrifting There's a lot to be said. If you haven't gone thrifting in a while, parents, uh, or if your teens haven't told you that they're interested in doing it, it's it's very popular right now. Kids like it because these are really unique, uh, hard-to-find items, so it feels much more custom to them. And I think it also does make a statement about their principles and their values. And believe it or not, this generation, even though they get marketed to quite heavily, they're also very eco-conscious. And when we talk about keeping things out of landfills, um, trying to make a smaller uh, footprint on Earth, this generation really rises up to that occasion yeah and thrifting can be kind of um 
I mean, I used to go thrifting with my mom. It can be kind of an adventure as well, right? It's the hunt. It's the it hunt. And when, and when you you know and you find that like whatever really old leather jacket that's just so cool, it's got a story, you know. But uh, don't forget, there's more than just clothes at a lot of these places too. Uh, in fact, the, uh, the um, uh, Goodwill and th- and some of these thrift stores have different policies around advertising, but they do also have binders and books and paper supplies and pens and pencils and things. So it's it's not just for clothing. Uh, go have a good look around. Yeah, that brought me, that was, I was wondering, for those who really need, who might not have access to some of the basics that they actually need this year, um, there must be an awareness out there that this is a pressure, especially this year. Uh, where can parents in those in that situation turn to? Yeah, we do have actually um, uh, nonprofit organizations that do uh, collect up and then make uh, backpacks that are full of the essential school supplies so, so that no child is without. I heard another teacher in Manitoba saying that they decided to make an uh, internal decision that because they had uh, a, a population where uh, there were so many different people from different backgrounds, they didn't want anyone who was low income or struggling to make ends meet who might get one of the, these knapsacks to be stigmatized and potentially harassed or bullied on the playground. So they decided to roll that in-house and that the school would pay for everybody's books, everybody's binders and pencils, so that there wasn't a differential between the haves and the have-nots in their school to try to equalize that a little bit. So it'll be interesting to hear if that idea uh, works and takes off. She said it also means that if the binders kind of belong to the school so they could (laughs) tell the kids to treat them with respect and don't just throw your pencil around the room and poke your neighbor, that's school property. Please be kind to your neighbor and please be kind to our pencil. So we'll see how that works out for that community. It's also that time of year, I remember the pressure of going back to school, you know, you uh, and just how do you explain to your kids? And there's always going to be others who have more, who won't be feeling the financial pressures of this year the way many parents are. Uh, how do you explain to your kids just about, you know, understanding what's affordable, what isn't, and that others will always have things that you probably wish you could too? Well, Ben, I think you said it perfectly right there, you know, to to have our children understand that there are many people of different uh, socioeconomic statuses and that there is never a reason. Uh, feel badly for how our family is doing regardless of where we are on that continuum and uh, that we have safety nets in place in this culture because we care for one another and sometimes we we might have to use those resources and and sometimes we give into those for other people that are in need when we do our can drives and things and so I really feel that the conversation is about the tone so that the children really see that the parents are walking the talk if the parents themselves are pitying their children or feeling sorry or guilty that they aren't able to provide for their children, the kids really latch on to that and it exacerbates the problem. So I think it's better to, to say to your kids, we're being responsible. This is what we can afford. And uh, this is how we're putting our money into buckets. Uh, some other people actually share their family budgets with their kids so that the kids have an understanding and can be part of the decision making of you know where we might cut back so that we can do other things. Um, so as so long as you're saying it in a way that is inviting your child into understanding, um, but never to put fear in them that you can't manage. I think that's just really huge. Any last words of advice to parents this year? This is going to be a slightly different year than years. Well, actually, it's it's been different for years now, hasn't it? This is the third September in a row that's going to be a bit different from the past. But any advice to parents specifically uh, this year? Yes. I mean, 
I guess the most important thing that I would say is that we've been through so much, as you say, that this last little bit seems like a a hurdle. But the truth is you've got proof positive. Look at what your kids have managed, being thrown into online learning, not being able to see their friends. Uh, Yes, a lot of proms were canceled. Things were taken away. But if anything, that just showed that our kids have resilience and that there is a path back to, to normal. And we're on it. And that includes that this isn't the last back to school. There'll be other years that are different. Uh, and just to remind them that we've been successful through all of these and we will through this again this year too. Allison Schaefer, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks for having me on, Ben.